Hello everyone, this is JPL, and today I am joined with... Hey, it's Toe Legend. Yes, and we are a podcast named Brackets. Uh, today is a different podcast than normal. Instead of talking about any movies or TV shows that we like or dislike, today we're going to just talk about something that's near and dear to our heart. And Bionicle! 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 Bionicle. Um, <laughs> that's silly... Uh, phrase. So yeah, Bionicle. That's a that's a thing. But yeah, it is. I can confirm. Mm-hmm. I'd be actually surprised if it wasn't. Yeah, it'd be very surprising and disappointing that all those years of our lives and childhoods have been wasted into nothingness. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. So Bionicle. Uh, Toa, what is Bionicle? Oh, wow. Uh, Bionicle is a early 2000s Lego toy line based mainly on the Technic system. Um, It is one of their, uh, at the times, one of their more original um, types of sets. Mm -hmm. So they had... Uh, at the time, they didn't actually have that many different IPs. Um, in fact, there was a while where Lego was really feeling like they were going to go under because of the rising popularity of video games and specifically Pokemon, right? And um, Lego just didn't really know what to do. And they're they're trying to... I think they are looking into Lego Star Wars at the time, but... yeah they it wasn't doing well and so they came up with this idea for a character driven story based off of these um action figure sized superheroes essentially um based on the technic system so that it would um kind of appeal to older audiences specifically like you know 10 to 14 year olds um that would otherwise might be getting into Pokemon instead. And uh, under the creative direction of Christian Faber, the the early writer for Bionicle, um, they created this toy line with a story, something that wasn't like really anything Lego had ever done before. And they called it Bionicle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it went on for at least nine years before it got canceled in 2010. Uh, this is from 2001 to 2010. And uh, eventually it got rebooted in 2014-2015 and then got canceled again a year later in 2016. Uh, so, yeah, Bionicle, that was a fantastic toy line, and it's pr- it's also very influential one at that. I know that the two of us were greatly inspired by Bionicle, is that right? Yep, very much so. I mean, even, even my username is in uh, reference to Bionicle, yeah. being that, uh, for, for those that don't know, uh, the general breakdown of Bionicle, it's... It's got a deeper lore than probably either of us are going to talk about much today. Uh, um, yeah. 
but just as a quick breakdown, um, you you have this bad guy named yeah. Makuta. You've got um, the the villagers, which are Matoran. You've got the elders of the village, which are Turaga, and then you've got the um, essentially superheroes, the the protectors of the Matoran. Um, they're called the Toa. And so that is what inspired me to take the name Toa Legend. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, of course, for me, since my channel is Lego JPL, um, the Lego is the one that's more specifically, not to Bionicle, but when you look at my uh, posters, or my, uh, what you call it, my banner... I, I use the Bionicle Matoran alphabet for the JPL mm -hmm. section, and that's part of my uh, signature as well. My fan-made signature that I do. Mm. And, of course, my uh, mocks that I have made for yeah. the channel as well. They're all Bionicle-based, and Bionicle is just really fun. It's a unique idea that was at the time. Uh, it's all I mean it's inspired uh, the future Lego lines for instance Ninjago mm -hmm. I, I I was watching the series recently and I could just see a lot of Bionicle influences in Ninjago yeah. like the Dark Lord and the Shadow uh, the Shadows the, uh, the elemental powers yeah for sure and the golden weapons that you try to collect and find and it's 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 fun it's fun it's great yeah <laughs> anyway and so one so, thing that yeah oh no 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 go ahead uh yeah so one thing that i really just wanted to um discuss mainly today was just talk about what does bionicle mean to us as people and as and as friends is that so yeah what were we gonna say uh, well, I was just going to ask, when when did you get into Bionicle? Like, oh, when, did that, you, when did you first start? I feel like that's that a good was, starting place. That was the one of the questions I, I had thought for. Hey. Um, it's Yeah, it's very strange. Because you, I have to figure things out at that time. Because some of the memories there of when I first got into Bionicle are kind of a bit fuzzy about which was the first. But if my memory serves me correct, which I hope it does... The first time I saw Bionicle was in 2002, hmm. and it was a green Borok. <laughs> um, I can I can vividly remember this. I, I saw my cousin building this thing. Uh, I didn't know what it was back then. I didn't even ask. I just saw it looked cool. And then years later, uh, this is like 2005, 2006... My my uh, friends, quote unquote, uh, from elementary school, they they got bionicles and they would bring it to school and they would brag about it, and I was just thought that they were really cool. And uh, I go to my friend's house. He showed me his uh, new bionicle sets. He'd show me like a part of the movie, um, which had come out at that time. And I, it was a cool thing that uh, I grabbed onto. But I didn't really get a Bionicle figure, my first figure, until 
early or mid 2006 and hmm. if my memory serves me correct my very first Bionicle figure was of Thok, the white Paraka. Hmm. Uh, since then, I would then get the two other Paraka, Zaktan and Vizon. And they were, sorry, Vazok. Um, not Vizon. Vizon is a big one that I don't have. Um, <laughs> Vazok. And so. I would get Bionicle at that time for my birthday, for Christmas. They were always the number one thing on my list. I'd put it at the top mm. so that my grandma would get me <laughs> Bionicle, that she knew that was the one I wanted. Um, I got all three of the movies that one year. And then I also got the Toa Metru at that year as well. Uh the entire tow team. And the thing that was really special about that one was that it wasn't something that was just given to me all completely. They were something that I knew that my mom bought. That she bought it. But she wouldn't give it to me unless I did something to earn it. So after uh, I did a few things like good grades for a certain period of time, 100 on this test... I did this action to help out or something, I would be rewarded with one Toa. And so it was an incentive to do good, to be my best. It, one, of, one of those fun things as a kid where it's like, oh my gosh, I want a Toa. Woo! <laughs> uh, I don't know why it's like that exactly, but it was a great incentive for that time. And then yeah. Christmas of that year of 20, 2006. I got the Toa Nika, three of them, which was Kongu, uh, Huki, and Holly. And I'm not going to go over everything just yet throughout the history of the sets. That's going to be a topic for a different discussion. But yeah, those were my main Bionicle sets for a lot of the times as a kid. And they were the ones that I mainly grew up with and I just cherished and I really enjoyed. Yeah, that's that's for me. How about you? Um, so I the the first time I think I was exposed to Bionicle, um it must have been pretty early on in my life, maybe two thousand three. Um so I was I was pretty young, maybe maybe three or four. And um being so you know i grew up uh any kind of like lego stuff was always like a season or two behind yeah um so i remember at one point i was just going out um on the field at, at our school and there were some kids who who lived there um from overseas and they had brought um, some bionicles that they're playing with specifically borok and they're just playing around with them and i thought they were the coolest things hmm. and uh i i just thought they were really cool uh they didn't let me play with them because i was a few years younger th than them but i thought they were cool yeah didn't think much about them a few years rolled around um and they had the metro sets mm. and uh 
I remember they were doing like uh, they they had created a game out of with the metro canisters. You could take the the tops off and put the tops together to create this little ball, which yeah. in the story was you know, the <laughs> the Matoran capsules. Mm-hmm. But um, they took this ball and they kind of like put it on the on on the carpeted ground, and they modified the. It, it must have been the original Toa set, the, the Toa Mata, to kind of all have Pohachu builds so that they could all kick the ball around. <laughs> or they'd use the Borok to hit the, the ball around. I remember that was really cool. They let me play that once or twice until I just kind of started slamming the, <laughs> the characters into it. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get too into it until one of my friends uh, got one of the movies the, it, was, it was specifically Bionicle 2. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Because before then, I was like, oh, these are cool. But I didn't know they had a story at all. Yeah, yeah. So um, I remember I watched that with this friend. And I was like, okay, this is this is really cool. And uh, I kind of started delving deeper into the story from there. My, my parents found out. And um, I don't remember to this day, honestly whether my first set was um the red vaki from 2004 Mm -hmm. or um because we i think it was but we moved to the u.s um when i was in first grade and i remember really like really wanting to get a bionicle and i checked like every store uh, that I could, but I didn't have enough money to buy a new one, and I, w- I was no. just looking around. And at Dollar General, I looked, and I was like, surely, like, they're not going to have anything here. It's like a dollar store, but it's Dollar General is just essentially cheap goods. It's not necessarily like a, a like a Dollar Tree, right? No. And so I was looking around, and then I saw it, and there was just a bunch of canisters of Pohachu Nuva. Which, at the time, I was like, wait, why are there so many of the brown ones? Of course, at, for me, I always went after the green ones when I was little. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, w- I was really looking for the green one, and I didn't see him. And I was like, ah, this is still good enough. And so I went ahead and got that one. And uh, I-, I was still young, so building them on my own was not my forte. But my dad helped me out. Um, he actually built Pohachu wrong. Um, because Pohachu's gear gimmick was that you could rotate the axle on his back and the his one leg would move so that he could kick his, his boulder. Um, but my dad built it so that both legs would move so that he was running, which actually kind of fit with the, the mask of speed that he was wearing. Um but I didn't even notice at the time. Uh, and then in the next few years, I started getting into the story a little bit, not crazy. Like I watched, um, actually the first Bionicle movie I watched was the third one. Then I watched the second one, but I didn't know what was going on in the third. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, I kind of started to piece together the story and I, I really only thought that 2004 and 2005 were, um, connected mm-hmm. because like I, I i didn't even think like my thought process at the time was every year there was a new set of toa 
and they didn't really look alike, so they must be new sets of heroes every year. And it made sense to me. It didn't really like click that there was an actual story going on. But I remember very clearly in 2006, um, Bionicle was getting hyped up for the Bionicle game, Bionicle Heroes. Oh, yeah. Um, which was which was really cool and uh i remember looking at that and being like oh that's that's so cool that's so edgy that's that's awesome and so i went to the web page like several times a day just to look at the characters <laughs> and i remember of all the characters the one that stood out as far as the name was jowler because jowler i thought it said jailer the first time that i yeah. read it and i was like okay well at least that's like a, a pretty normal-ish name like as far as like it's a title and then i looked at it again and i was like no that's that's not an i that's an that's an l why is it why is the name jowler that's so weird didn't even think anything of it didn't know which characters were were like why the bad characters were bad or why the good characters were good the only thing i knew was that um a that year uh the villains looked a lot cooler than the heroes <laughs> and had like a more intricate build and b the green one i didn't like uh this what? was the first time it, not not the villains sorry the of the heroes you, you did not like kongu no kongu is still i think one of the worst looking toa he's of uh, he's one of my favorite toa from 2006 <laughs> I just th I just thought that that was one of the coolest looking faces. Nah, but I was at the time I was all about symmetry, so like mm, I okay. didn't like any of the Toa of Ice beforehand because the their masks were asymmetrical, and then Kongu rolls around and his mask is asymmetrical, and I'm like, ah, this is so frustrating. And so 2006 was the first time I didn't have a favorite one. I did mm. end up kongu was the the one that i did end up getting but um i had essentially i had the choice of which one i wanted to get and i was kind of in between um i wanted to get niparu because i i noticed that he had a few extra pieces and in my brain i'm like well pff, obviously if i'm gonna pay 18 dollars for a bionicle and I'm going to get the one with the most pieces, especially because Nuparo had like claws and I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then he just wasn't at the store, probably because other people thought the same thing. So I had the choice between um, either getting Kongu, Matoro, Huki, or Gali. Not Gali. Holly, my bad. Um, and I ended up, I got Hookie for a friend because it was their birthday, and I got um, Kongu for myself. And later, I think I ended up getting Holly for Christmas or something. But anyways, um, then 2007 rolls around, and this is this is the big year for me because finally I was the one that was paying attention to Bionicle. Beforehand, it was everybody else telling me the news. This time. I was the first one to discover that Bionicle refreshed their, or yeah, Lego refreshed the Bionicle page um, when the Baraki came out. And 
so I was I was like ahead of the curve. I was super hyped, um, and that's when I actually kind of started getting into the story. Um, after the Baraki, the the Toamari got announced, and I looked at the names, and I was like, well, first off, I was like, okay, I need to find a new favorite because like the green one in the last generation wasn't very good, so maybe the the new green one will be better. Um, and I started looking at the names, and I was like, wait, Jailer, no, 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 Jaller, wait. This is the same one as the last one. And finally that like that last thing clicked and I was like, they're the same character. Those those two are the same character and and those are Oh. And finally everything was falling into piece or into place and I was like, I got I just gotta read the comics now. Um and it was funny because I think I started with the Mari comics. It was either the Mari or the Inaika comics. Maybe it was the Anika. Anyways, um, especially after how hyped I was with the, the Mari trailer. Now, the Mari trailer, I still think, is the most hyped one to me. Mm. Uh, um, in fact, all of all of Bionicle's, like, announcements and commercials were, like, always hype. But <laughs> the Mari one has is, is always stood out to me. So, um yeah in, in in 2007 they released the mari announcement and uh from there i got i'll i'll get back to this point later but i got more into bionicle and that's 2007 2008 is really when i delved into the story and got uh really hooked on getting a bunch of sets and a bunch of comics wherever i could and uh yeah it was a good year good year good times yeah, I know for me, early on, in fact, for a really long time, I didn't really get into the story very much. Um, I wasn't actually, for the longest time, I wasn't actually aware of the Tuamata. Um, mm-hmm. I had yeah, just thought, here. I just had, I just thought that the Bionicle started with the first movie, uh, with mm-hmm. the Toanuva, and went from there. And it wasn't really till 2007 that I was looking on YouTube on at Bionicle Fighters. Do you know Bionicle Fighters? Mm. Or the Bionicle Wars. It was it was back during that time where Bionicle Stop Motion was one of the big things on YouTube when YouTube was still uh, brand new. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, that was one of the few things I would watch on YouTube as a kid. Bionicle Fighters, Bionicle Wars, mm-hmm. any of those Fun, fun uh, stop motions, and there was this one stop motion by Spidey four hundred six, um, who had these, uh, what sh- uh, the Tomata fighting against the Borok, mm. and it was like, who are those people? Who are they <laughs> like they look so tiny. Like what are they? And then you know, I was just looking more into it. I found a stop motion series called Mata. I can't find it since then, but it was at the time. I remember it being called Mata. And there I, I got to see them. I got to see the Taraga. And it was like, what? Are these real? Are these sets? What are they? <laughs> and then it just... And then I started looking on eBay. That was one of the early instances where I was using eBay. Uh, I found that there were the Tomata. I was like, wow. I want one. Mm. Uh, I never got one. 
uh, I didn't actually get a Tuamata set until 2010 or 2011 when I moved to the U.S. and found one Totahu at a yard sale. Mm. Um, so yeah, for the longest time I didn't know about the Tuamata. And also, I didn't really get much into the story like you uh, mm. really ever in a long time. Uh, I know that I, I tried at one point. I got one of the books. It was the beginning of the Bionicle Adventures book for the Tome uh, True. Yeah. And this was around, two, again, around 2007 I, or 2008, I believe. And I tried reading. I got through, like, maybe the first chapter and then I just stopped. Um, me, I find it difficult to read sometimes. It's just paying attention and focusing. Yeah. Um, so that's why I just never got into any of the books or just looking stuff online. It's because I don't like reading. It's the, the information may be fun when I actually do read it, but it's just it's a lot of work to do to actually get into it. And so I never actually got into the story. All I had was the movies. Eventually, at that same year, I got all the graphic novels, the comics that we had so far, which led up to, uh, I believe, the Cardinui section. I might have... Cardinui might have been a brand new one that just came out, and I got that as well. But I remember that's, that was the only place where I learned about the story. And there's just always these confusing segments where it's like, want to know what happened? Read this chapter from this book. And it's like, oh, mm -hmm. that's a shame. <laughs> um, or find out the conclusion in the Mask of Life moving movie. It's like, oh, well, I've already seen that. That's cool. Um, so, And then, you know, it wasn't until two years ago that I actually bought a bunch of Bionicle books. And I started mm -hmm. reading them. Uh, during during <laughs> during the middle of a play, I know there's an image that I shared with you with, ju with just yeah. me reading the book with my headset. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I'm I'm starting to get more into the story, but for the longest time, and it's still I'm not fully completing the books, but for the longest time, even now, I. I'm not fully complete on the story of all these characters. I know that they have a compelling story, but I was just never really one to get into it. Mm. I knew that I wanted to get into it. I know that I asked you questions about things, and you always led me to the Bionicle Story website, yep. which I never went to, um, sadly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I never really got into the story until very recently. And I'll finish the story eventually. Uh, thank you, Biomedia Project, for having all this information. Um, yeah. But yeah. That is me. me yeah, as, as far as the story goes, like, 2004, 2005 were the easy years to get into. Because beforehand, I was too young. 2004 was about the age that I that I could start paying attention to and that was also technically everything in those two years happened before everything else so you had a lot of like the origin story so you got to see the Toa Metru turn into Toa and then see them turn into Hordika and then see them turn into Turaga 
Um, and so that part was like, oh, okay, well, that's easy to follow. Um, and I just kind of thought that was the whole story for, for a long time. And then I saw uh, Mask of Light, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess there's a little bit more. Um, and I especially got into, like, the powers, because, you know, in Bionicle, there there's a couple different categories of powers. Um, and as, as someone who's always been, like, a superhero fan, I really enjoyed how Bionicle had every hero had an elemental power and a mask power mm -hmm. so based off of whatever color they were that was their elemental power um which they don't really use much in any of the movies really um in mask of light they do a little bit but in the other two it's not as apparent in fact literally i didn't know that matau was a Toa of Air until Rudaka said Air as he as she yeets him onto the floor at one point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I just, I just didn't know. Um, but I did like how each you know each Toa had elemental powers and then they had this mask power and the mask power was based off of you know whatever mask they were wearing at the time. And there was a, a large range in what masks could do. But I remember one game that I played with, with some of my friends when I was younger was kind of a game of if you owned a Bionicle figure, you could pretend that you had their mask power in this game. So those of us that had like a lot of Bionicle sets, or well, I shouldn't say us, I didn't have that many at the time. Um, but those that did have more Bionicle sets generally had a, a better chance of doing well in this <laughs> childhood role-playing game i suppose yeah almost larping with these mask powers mm -hmm. um and that all changed once i got gorast which is a makuta that could disrupt other people's mask powers <laughs> and that was fun but uh yeah as far as the story goes i didn't really get into it much until like 2008 was probably about the time that i was like yes this is i'm finally getting into it i read up on um on the mari and then i read up on the anika and then i went back and one of my friends let me borrow their entire uh, bionicle adventures series uh so all of 2004 2005 i've read you know, at the end of two thousand eight, they do they do this big reveal that uh, you know secretly this whole time. Uh, and I'll throw a spoiler warning right here, even though it's a you know Lego franchise that's twenty years old. But uh, <laughs> the the whole reveal is that they've been inside this giant robot the whole time, and the the their deity Mat Matanui, uh, who they've been trying to awaken this whole time is actually the world that they live in mm. <laughs> um oh my that was the most mind-blowing advertisement that they showed oh yeah it was also the, like it was so cool like that giant robot coming up from the island during mm -hmm. that time where it's like what the heck is going on that's that's pretty cool and then his eyes turn red, and the mask of light gets sent off, and it's like, 
what just happened? Yeah, but that's the thing. 2008 is where everything, as far as the story goes, becomes so unbelievably complicated. Because you you have, like, 2001 to 2003, right, Mm -hmm. is, like, pretty easy to follow. Like, you don't know why you're on an island, but it's cool to see, like, these robotic figures on, um, like, a natural setting. Then 2004, 2005, you get this, like, recap of, like, how they got there. Then 2006, 2007, it's like, all right, back in present zone, uh, we got to save the universe because it's actually dying. Then 2008 rolls around, and it's like, yeah, we saved the universe. Whoa, the universe is a giant robot. Also, the first island that we were on, which is actually the second island, was actually an island on top of the robot. So that got destroyed, but the... The first island, which is the second one we found out about, is looks pretty much exactly like it, except it's smaller and more city-like. And that's inside the brain of the robot. Uh-huh. Also, <laughs> and it just goes into this, like, super, super deep lore, um, which, now that I'm looking at it, is really, really cool. Um, and there was always, like, this depth to get into for Bionicle. But probably one of the biggest issues with it continuing was that they built up so much lore, but their main audience was, you know, nine to maybe 14 year olds. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know, a nine year old is surprisingly smart, but at a certain point, they, they're just not going to understand, like, you know, Matoran walking through their version of hell and seeing, like, I don't know, people that have been trapped there for a hundred thousand years just chilling and also being tormented by Bionicle Satan for, like, forever. And then only a few chapters later see, like, these ex-bounty hunters enslave an entire population of Matoran, and then there, there's there's a segment that someone posted in the Bionicle Mass posting group of, like, <laughs> a Matoran worker who's been enslaved, uh, mind-controlled, mind you, uh, accidentally stumbles in lava and nobody else because they're all mind controlled bats an eye at it and like that's kind of dark yeah that's dark bionicle oh yeah turns out the thing that enslaved them uh is the essence the essence of the bad guy that they killed in the first sorry the in the first movie yeah i guess they they pseudo killed in the first movie but it turns out that he, and along with everybody in his species, had evolved a th- a several thousand years ago to where they're essentially just gas. Uh, it's very <laughs> frustrating sometimes. Well, what? I did not know that. Yeah, so the the, the green goo that that are the Xamor spheres that the Paraka mm-hmm. shoot out. Yeah, that's the essence of 
Makuta Teradax. Um, and Ooh. Makuta, the, as a species, by the way, Makuta is generally referred to as, like, the main bad guy, but he's actually part of a species called the Makuta. His name is actually Teradax, or Terry for short. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he, his entire species at one point just like suddenly evolved it was it was like a like an update to their their hardware almost where like there was a small storyline where a bunch of makuta were just kind of hanging out and then suddenly they were like whoa i can leave my own body (laughs) and like float around and so like their bodies are literally just husks of armor um that they can leave at any point which is why like Makuta could possess Maxilos at one point. Uh, why the Makuta was in the Xamor spheres, how Makuta survived, this, that, and the other thing, and how Makuta took over the Matanui robot. Which, by the way, yeah, plot twist. You finally re- resuscitate your entire universe, which ends up being a robot, and the god of your universe gets yeeted out, and <laughs> your universe gets taken over by the bad guy. That's actually a pretty cool plot twist, but very complicated. So, <laughs> I love the Bionicle story, and I think yeah. um, it's one of those that you could get into, and it's it's obviously there is a stopping point because um, the writer for Bionicle, the, the lead writer, Greg Farshtey, stopped writing for Bionicle in 2011. So there is a stopping point. Unless you get into like fan fiction alternate universes, but like my like my ideas, yeah. But that that's kind of the cool thing about Bionicle is mm. the, the story ended, and albeit it it could have and probably should have ended in a better way, but it ended. Yeah. That being said, it's still like there's still a really prominent community, which is amazing, and the cool thing about Bionicle and even just Lego in general is, you know, they could tell us that it had a story or not have a story. And as long as the sets were cool or the characters were cool, we could build our own story. Um, or even if it was just kind of a a base basic story, we could use their ideas and and build off of it. And so there's a ton of really well-written, um, honestly fan fiction get generally gets a bad rap but in bionicle it's not necessarily the case um because there's a lot of good alternate like universe ideas that work really well and they could exist within canon because bionicle does delve into alternate universes a little bit so it it's really nifty um obviously I have to contrast that a little bit because when Bionicle made its resurgence in 2014, the sets were good, but there was little to no story to it. And that I think is what killed it. Um, They didn't have their lead writer. Greg Farshti actually went on to write for Ninjago, which is probably a big reason why it does feel so similar. Um, But in... The, the generation two of Bionicle was, uh, it was very shallow in the story area. 
and i think the set yeah. design was actually really cool especially for the first wave mm-hmm. i thought it was amazing but um beyond that it was a little bit iffy do you remember when Bonacle was announced to be over mm-hmm. what was that like that was it was it was rough because like mm. you know i was young right this is 2000 like 10 2009 2010 and um you know it in my lifespan, I'm probably like 11 or 12 at that point. Not very much has like ended. Like I hadn't seen very many like companies go bankrupt or uh, storylines end, except like Avatar was the only thing that I could think of, the only thing I could reference. But Avatar was a little different because it had a clear, concise ending to it. So yeah, it was sad that it was over, but it had an amazing ending. Um, when I heard Bionicle was over, it was it was almost ground shaking to me oh yeah um i know that i think that was the year that i got a facebook account um and immediately like the day that it was announced there was already a facebook group um that was the bring back bionicle club uh and i immediately joined that and i was like so ready to like be a part of it and i was excited um (laughs) and i remember early on there were a lot of people that were like writing petitions to like try and keep it going or a lot of people had in their mind that well if bionicle's ending i'm gonna write my own story and continue it there were a lot Mm. of things thrown around um oh yeah it was a little rough because Again, Bionicle didn't really have the send-off that I think it should have. It Yeah, and we got Bionicle Stars. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing. We had really, like, early on there were a lot of sets that were just kind of replicas of each other. Like, all the Borox are just recolors of each other, right? All the the Vaki, the, the Viserac, even the Telemetru. Aside they had from, effort into them, though yes yes they totally did um and then 2006 rolls around and it's a little bit different for each set pretty much the same though um 2000 sorry 2007 rolls around and that's the toa mari and yeah. the baraki and the toa mari I, I think are still some of the best sets because of how different they are but from that year forward they really gave different characters different builds um, and different weapons and made each character feel really different it was super cool um, and they did that every year and then in the last wave of bionicle they tell the story only through online like an online game um, and I, I guess they did through books as well they were planning to have told it through a movie but that never got released um, well they had one movie that was well, planned to be a trilogy of movies. Right, right. So that was rough. And then um, the stars were... The Bionicle stars was the last series of Gen 1 Bionicle. And they were essentially sets that were the same size as the Matoran. 
um, in previous sets. And even like more so, the problem was because I don't know if I would have minded it as much if they were like early version Matoran or like Metronui Matoran or even Voyanui Matoran. But they were Cardanui Matoran style sets <laughs> or Agori sets. And the yeah. problem with those is I don't think their piece count went above 20. And I could be wrong. But it was, it wasn't great. No, and it was not. The idea for these was they were supposed to be like the best of the best sets, kind of like an homage, a final homage. And so you had Tahu, which was an easy choice for red. You had, so you had three. Sorry, you had three heroes and three villains. You had Tahu, solid pick. You had Takanuva for white which was an interesting choice, especially since yeah. he's always been golden in the past, but, you know, it's it's whatever. And then you had Gresh for green. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, kind of, it was kind of a representation across the board. You know, you get... <clears throat> you get a Toa, like a, a standard Toa. You get a Toa of Light, and then you get a... Like a Neo-Toa, I guess. The, the Glatorian were kind of all... Gresh was almost made a Toa. Like, it's it's weird. But anyways, you get him represented, one of the heroes of the, the new world that they're on. And then on the other side, you get the Rakshi, which everybody loved the Rakshi. Um, yeah. You get the, the Skakti, which are the, the species that the Paraka are. Um, and then you get the... Oh, what was the last one? Oh, the Scrawl. Scrawl. So, like there totally was representation across the board but also we were, we had become accustomed to every year you get six heroes six villains and generally six like matoran or villagers um, and sometimes you even got turaga but this year we didn't have that at all it was just those six sets small sets small canisters um technically you could combine them uh, <laughs> they did do one thing that i think set the way for ninjago well is that they included one golden piece in each of the sets and if you and you would combine the sense to get the t- golden tahu yeah and that was really cool i actually like those golden pieces are, are pretty dope yeah. um but <laughs> again these are these are cardanui sets so none of the sets have gear functions None They're of them. easy to break. E- terribly easy to break. 2008 onwards, the the production quality for any of the joint pieces just plummeted. Oh, yeah. It it was really rough. And I get well, yeah. There's there's a lot of jokes about lime uh <laughs> because lime joints were tended to break more quickly. Um there was a reason behind that, yeah. Yeah. there's some truth but yeah so like the send-off for bionicle was really rough um and it it was kind of bittersweet because greg farshti was going to keep writing uh, a few story serials to try and like wrap it up towards the end and he started into a few um i don't remember if it was yesterday quest No, no 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 that was 
that was the one with Tardic, I think. Anyways, he he started one Riddles of the Great Beings. That's what it is. Um, that was supposed to like kind of explain who the great beings were and and why they did what they did and all that. And you got to see it through the eyes of uh, some new Toa that we had never met before. And it was really cool. But it got stopped partway through. And we never really got to see much of that. So it just kind of left us wanting. Um, but not necessarily like in a bad way. Like I'm, I'm never going to look back at Bionicle and be like, ah, that was such a waste. Like I know my, my only comparison would be like, I know people very much dislike the, the ending to game of Thrones. It wasn't oh, that yeah. bad. <laughs> no, the, the story was okay. It was just the presentation of the story that was kind of a bummer oh yeah because the final story was only at that time they did a cool thing instead of having a movie they had these story serials um with michael dorm telling the final battle yeah yeah that that was really cool and all of all of the cinematics that they did for um really everything was was great they didn't do it too much in the end, but like between all of the the character showings, the the creeping in the deep, or sorry, creeps <laughs> from the deep yeah. video, the crashed video, um, move along, move along, yo yo paraka, yo yo paraka, yeah, that was oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was solid that year was such a like fever dream as far as like marketing because like <laughs> they did a bunch of like urban like style marketing a lot of like a graffiti look to everything and um then you read through the story i just finished uh i finished a uh, chapter or book eight of ignition and like <laughs> it's it doesn't feel that way at all. The Paraka are just kind of like a group of dark hunters that just decided to rebel. And like nothing about it makes it feel like it should be urban, especially while they're on an island. Like, I don't want to say paradise because Voya Nui is not a paradise, but like, <laughs> no, like an island culture, like a an island where it's not really wealthy in any means um like i always imagine all all the matoran there live in like shacks that could fall apart at any moment um and then in all the trailers it's like all the toe of rushing through this giant fortress that has a lot of like chain link fences and keep out signs and <laughs> I was really trying to be edgy. Uh, it worked. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I bought the sets. Yeah, I mean, those were some really fun and memorable. Hey, you know, Yo-Yo Paraka may not be a very good song or advertisement, but hey, yeah, I've never forgot that thing ever since. That's facts. In fact, uh, someone, someone in the Bionicle Mask posting group 
which is a, a group on Facebook, and uh, they have, I think, stuff on Reddit and Discord. Um, but it's it's one of the communities that's left over after Bionicle uh, broke apart. Uh, somebody there decided to make shirts for <laughs> Bionicle, and the first one that I bought was uh it it says it's a yo-yo paraka world tour and it's like this really awesome like cover art for a band and my favorite part about it is on the back side it has like a tour list and it lists all of like the islands in the universe ah so good wow yeah i'm pretty happy about it whenever whenever i'm in person and someone looks at me and says, yo, I can't just, I ha- I always have to respond with yo-yo paraka. Yeah, dude. And they don't get, they don't get it, but you know, I just, I gotta say yo-yo paraka. <laughs> it is kind of crazy though, because like, Bionicle is one of those things that you can like reference. You can't, you can't do like deep lore, but you can, you can bring up in casual conversation. And most people that I talk to, especially here in the States, are like, oh yeah, I had the red one when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of bond over that. And like most people don't realize like how deep Bionicle War is. Probably because it's a kid series that probably wasn't yeah. probably shouldn't have been as deep as it was. But um you can still throw those references out. Even like there's a lot of memes uh based around the original trilogy of bionicle movies especially the first one takua takua yeah and uh it it's kind of fun if people actually know or have watched any of those just kind of bring it up in passing um yeah i i know i know one of my favorite lines to bring up is like whenever in movies or in tv show and there, it all of a sudden just goes to white, and just our main character standing there. I just can't help but say, "Save the heart of Metronui." <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh... I know for me, I don't exactly recall the exact moment the announcement came for Bionicle ending, but I knew it was it was sad. And it is also very somewhat depressing. And I guess for me, it was also muddled down by the fact at that time, 2010, I was leaving the country that I was living in for about 10 years there, Paraguay. And I was moving to the States. And so there was just a lot that was just distracting me. You know, we had Bionicle ending, Mm. then I had to go and leave the country that I never returned to since Mm. um and it was a it was an interesting time but uh bonicle i don't exactly recall how i felt when it ended i just remember just getting the sets and be like yay Eh, Mm. at least i got this um but it was somewhat of a disappointment but yeah I was really all into the rumors for the Gen 2 of Bionicle. Mm. Uh, it was during that time, uh, TTV was one channel that I would watch um, 
I don't know exactly how I first heard of them. It was from the Bring Back Bionicle Club, mm-hmm. which I was also a member there. Um, and I heard that thrown out, and I found them through a review of Hero Factory, which, whew, Hero Factory, that replaced Bionicle. That's an old memory, Hero Factory. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of forgotten. Yeah, it they essentially took what they did with Bionicle and they were like we're just going to make this more baseline. These are these are heroes that are factory makes. And from that kind of concept was actually a cool idea because they really promoted like you you could go online, build your own character and have it shipped to you. That was cool at the time and they they did some cool things with their website i got super into their website because i thought it was a cool idea because they kept on they had like a, a live news report almost that updated daily based off of what was happening in universe um and that was a really nifty idea even if it was just like a weather report like it's raining in hero factory city or whatever it was like oh that's nifty it's raining here too huh. <laughs> um and they, they did an okay job. I think the first year was probably the best year for them. After that, the sets kind of got weird and incohesive. And then they changed to um, the current system, which is CCBS, which I wasn't fond of. They, they changed a lot. And I, I think a lot of Bionicle fans weren't fond of it originally. Some people no. still aren't. Um, and like the thing is the system was refined to be easier, um, to work with for, for kids. But in doing that, you limited a lot of people with what they could do. Um, they essentially turned everything into a ball sock, ball socket joint connection. Um, which is cool, but if you're trying to make like a weapon, like, if you want to give your, your hero a really cool sword, you essentially have to work with their default swords or use um, the old system, the construction sets, to make a cool sword. Yeah. Um, so there's a, just a lot of limiting on that end. And I think that was part of the reason why it went downhill. Um, hero Factory had, like, a show. Uh, oh. And... Personally, I think that was probably one of the best things they could have done, and I think that's why Ninjago did so well too, because they made the story accessible, and they didn't overcomplicate the story. <coughs> but also, the story wasn't that good. No, it was not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember. I was so petty about Hero Factory. Mm. Well, not really. I just, I just didn't really like it. I just. Yeah. When it first came out, it just kind of looked cheap. The heroes looked really cheap. And in fact, they yeah. kind of were cheap in yep. their build. The villains were cool. Um, yeah, Gen 1, uh, or like first release Hero Factory, all of the heroes were the same size as the star sets, so, so the small ones with very limited pieces, to the point where half of the heroes had these like arm like blaster things. The arms didn't move. And if you looked on the other side of it, they were hollowed out. Yeah, they were. It was, it was the two pieces. Way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was two pieces that made up their arm. 
Yeah. Um, unless you were the rookies of the squad. In that case, you got two arms and dual-wielding weapons. Which were uh, ten times cooler. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you had your, your, your unique-looking villains that were the more f- fun build to make. Yeah. I still consider, like, Von Nebula. He's, he's, he's a bionicle in my brain. Because he's just... <laughs> He was a unique build. He was a little bit wonky in how he looked, but uh, he wasn't. He wasn't bad. He was. He was a very fun build. Vonnevia. Yeah, his design kind of inspired my main features of my mock, hmm. which looking to my right. But yeah, then Bionicle Generation Two. Do you remember? Do you remember when it was? When was the first time you heard that it was coming back? I don't really know. I cuz that's around the time that I was either about to or I was moving back to the states. Yeah, it was. So, um I essentially just heard that it was coming back and I was super excited cuz it was it was a weird time in my life. I was moving away from the country I had grown up in, I was born in, and I was going to a new place. Um, one of my favorite YouTube um, channels was shutting down. It was super weird. But then I heard Bionicle was coming back, and I was like, okay, well, that's odd, but this is kind of exactly when I needed it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really hyped for it, and especially because um, they announced that there was going to be a Netflix series for it. I was like... Oh, not yet. Yeah, but there were there were rumors at first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is perfect. This is what Bionicle needs because part of the problem was, like we mentioned earlier, getting into the story of Bionicle was so difficult because they made three movies, none of which, by the way, are officially recognized as canon. <laughs> uh, elements of them are but not the full thing and then they had one movie at the very end which had probably the best animation but arguably the worst writing and it was just really hard to get into the story with this new series they have such a good opportunity to make this this story really like fleshed out and really easy to come across to kids instead what we got were like short uh, uh, segments mm-hmm. released on YouTube introducing our characters. Yeah, and they they changed our characters. They they completely changed our characters. Well, okay, not all of them. No, but they they changed a lot of them. Like, he, here's a gripe that I will honestly say I don't like about the first generation of Bionicle that I think Gen Two did better. The difference between a Toa of Stone and a Toa of Earth is whack. Because in the original series, I've been trying to piece it together as I've been reading through the Ignition series. And this is this is what I've got so far. A Toa of Stone can impact like hard rock. A Toa of Earth can impact like the seismic activity and like dirt or sand in generation two they swapped it 
they made Pohachu a toe of earth, and they made Onua a toe of stone. And they changed stone to be more things like jewels and gems. And they made earth to be like sand, mostly. And that was a better way to distinguish it. Do I think that earth and stone deserve a distinction? No. That was one that's one of my biggest gripes with Bionicle, but I can live with it. But I think they did it better in G two. I, th- I I think they switched the elements at least. I don't think they did, no. Because Earth was Earth was always rock for uh Onua. Onua. Cause even even in his advertisements, he's always dealing with rocks. Well, yeah, but describe to me what the difference between a rock and a stone is. I I, I had this mental debate. Um, stone uh-huh. could be a a weaker rock. A, a weaker rock. <laughs> okay, explain a we, this. Uh, let's just say it's more so the rock that's found on the surface level, versus toe of earth is deep in the tunnels like where you found them okay and you, you'd have to take a look at the different types of rock but i th- i think stone made more sense to me when i look at the metru year because they're they're more of carving into stones right and that's how i tend to view stone versus rock because basically they're almost the same Except stone yeah. is probably uh, clay. It's I don't know. It's a little weird. Uh, my distinguishment is mostly just like big rock versus little rock. Okay. Um. But like there are there are times most so for instance most of the time, Pohachu and Huki and uh, Onewa use stone in ways of like i'm gonna pick up this rock and i'm gonna hurl it at you whereas like there are a few times where like onua or um nuparu will make fists of earth and you don't see that like fists of stone for some reason so it's very confusing it looks like in the way that they control it it's a little bit different but they do make it a little bit more transparent with the designs in generation two because mm-hmm. they specifically have onua with like crystals and stuff and that's that's earth and they have uh, pohachu with sand and that's stone i don't know it's whatever. sandstone yeah yeah we'll go with that let's go with um, that but yeah in in generation two as far as the personalities of the toa it's very different Tahu's basically the same. Gali, in my opinion, never really had a personality. Anyways, she's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kopaka is edgelord my. to the max, but slips. So he's like... Uh, he doesn't slip, though. Sorry, he didn't slip. My bad. Slip no, man. <laughs> um, Pohachu is Australian now, right? There's a, there's a different reason. Yeah, he was he he was Australian. Yeah, which was like okay, that's cool, but like, why is is it because he gave him boomerangs? I feel like that's a little bit racist, (laughs) but okay. 
And then Onua just became this big, like, brainless guy, which is exactly the opposite of Onua. Onua was, like, the silent type, but, like, the strong silent type that's like, all right, you guys are being stupid. Let's just do it. He was, he was like Kopaka in that Kopaka was, like, the silent type, but he was the silent type that got annoyed at everything. Onua is, like, the, the peaceful silent type. Mm-hmm. So the characters were all messed up and then the power system was completely messed up because they changed it from you have an elemental power and a mask power to you have a mask power that is your elemental power which yeah it simplified it but that uh, it was lame yeah it was it was a very simplified generation 2 which i guess it was it felt like it was pointing towards the next generation of kids. Yeah. And they like to simplify things when they get to reboot things sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. The the designs for the first wave of sets were fantastic. It was a beautiful homage to the original sets. And they were really cool. Yeah. I, I remember being very excited when Bionicle, like, finally was announced at comic-con hey we're coming back with yeah. that golden mask of creation it was like oh my gosh yeah the rumors were true Woo-hoo. um hmm. but yeah when the second wave ended i don't remember there being announcement it just kind of drifted away yeah and at that point i just kind of lost interest interest because journey to one was pretty bad it it was bad and none of the other story material was really in depth so like after journey was of one or journey to one was done i was like well i don't really know or care what's happening until like the the giant akimu set got released and i was like oh they beat makuta yay but like the villain was simple the the story was very similar in the fact that, you know, their their leader person uh, who had powers and stuff got conked out and uh, these Toa had just arrived from the stars to save them. Mm-hmm. The cool thing, I will say, for both series is they have a lot of cultural background for them. Uh, the original series is based largely off of the the maori culture um that's down in new zealand uh so you'll in fact all the names are have maori origins so toa in maori translates to like warrior or hero um i'm trying to think of other ones but like all the prefixes like ta being fire um that translates uh just things like that super super cool and a lot of like i don't know if the styling was really based too much about of the on the maori culture but i i think they wanted to have an island setting from the get-go because it was originally going to be like what boneheads of voodoo island yeah um so they wanted to stick to this island setting and so they decided on this maori culture and frankly that was really cool in generation two they switched to more of like a mayan culture 
which was interesting. Um, I think it was a little bit harder to relate to, personally. Um, but it was still really nifty. They did it with a lot of the art, and even like on the Mask of Creation, you can see like a lot of the glyphs that they use look more um, Mayan or Incan. So that part of it is is kind of nifty. Yeah. But yeah, Generation 2 ended, and now we're just waiting for the unlikely Gen 3. <laughs> yeah. It's... It might happen, but not soon. Yeah. So while, while Bionicle was the thing that brought Lego back from, frankly, bankruptcy or near bankruptcy, um, it seems like nowadays a lot of people at Lego don't think it's a good a good IP to have right now. And I think part of that is probably due to Ninjago doing so well and they don't want to have a direct competitor to their own thing. And I get that. And plus, plus the last time they did Bionicle, it didn't go so well. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't think it's donezo for Bionicle yet. No. I, I think there's a chance that it could come back and uh if it does i'll be here hopefully i'll have like you know a a, a well-paying job and <laughs> an empty basement that i can just fill with bionicles but um yeah 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 uh thinking back as a kid mm-hmm. bionicle it, was it difficult to get Bionicle as a kid for you? Like, was it easy to get, or was it difficult? Get as in, like, obtain, or get as in, like, yes, understand? Yes, to obtain. Okay. Um, Early on, no. I, I don't even remember if they sold the first few generations. Here, uh, um, I don't remember even seeing the Mata or the, the, the Nuva on shelves. Hmm. Um, so I was always a few generations behind, uh, but I, uh, overall it wasn't too, too, too bad. The, the big difficulty was generally double the price for anything. I remember, yeah, double or triple. I think I spent $30 to get. Matoro Mari. And to this day I don't regret it, by the way. I'm just gonna point put that out there. But mm. yeah, co- comparatively to the US where you could get a full set for like sixty to eighty bucks, here you'd have to spend over a hundred for a full um set of Toa. Which was kinda rough. Yeah. But I, that that was one thing that I would save up for and um i had relatives that were really kind and that that was another one of those things where that was one thing that they knew that i liked so if they got me that i would enjoy it i think at one point i got three three of the green viserac just because they didn't really know what else to get me (laughs) but they knew that bionicle and they knew green and i was like yep keep keep them coming i'll 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 build something with them (laughs) yeah 
in my case, I was living in Paraguay. In Paraguay, mm-hmm. uh, Baraco wasn't really a luxury. Mm. You you couldn't go to like every store to find a Bionicle. Um, and so for me, when I first found Bionicle, I couldn't get it automatically. It was something that you had to get from the U.S. at that time. And mm. so when I went to the States for Christmas that year, like the, one of the big things was like, oh, I want, I need, I, come on, I want to get a Bionicle. You can't get it down there. And mm. so for me, it was always, it was like a Pop-Tart for a missionary. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you can't get them anywhere else but in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And when you do get them, it's like this big treat. And so for me, that's what Bionicle was. It was like this big treat. I couldn't get down there, and it was the only place I can get it was in the U.S. Um, eventually, in 2007, there was only one store in Paraguay where you can get a Bionicle. It was a little bit... Aw- a distance away and it cost more obviously mm-hmm. but so but there was a place where I can get it and this was around the time of the Baraki uh, I think I only ever got two sets maybe three sets um, there uh, the store was called Miramar I remember that vividly and the set that I got was I got Elec the green Baraki mm-hmm. And then the next year, I got Mutran, mm. the that weird Makuta type thing. Yeah. And, and a small Indiana Jones set uh, nice. the next year afterwards. So, um, yeah, like anywhere else, if I wanted to get Bionicle, I would have to get a knockoff. A very oh, cheap knockoff, yeah, called Robot. Did did you have? Was it the? Was it just Robot or was it Invincibility Robot? Because I saw it was that just, a little bit. Yeah, for me, it was just Robot. Nice, nice. <laughs> it was just Robot, where they had the clearly fake plastic. I got. Let's see, from Robot, I got. Let's see, uh, Radak. Okay. Or how I used to call it, Radiac. Yeah. Um, in the States, he has his golden weapon. In Robot, it's gunmetal. Interesting. Which I still have. Uh, it's, it's oh my gosh. Those are like terrible pieces. They, they break very easily. Mm-hmm. I got a Kitongu. Uh, however... It didn't have all the pieces. And so I just sent it back. And then the only other one I got was Nokama Hordika. Mm. And again, it was just terrible. Uh, and also, yeah, Pridak. Pridak, the robot Pridak. Oh nice. my gosh, that was ugly as well. <laughs> so yeah, those knockoffs were just my childhood as well. Yeah. I, I will say in, in the stores down like you could find bionicles but like you couldn't find very many so Mm-mm. like i i found like if i when i was looking for the anika i really only had the choice between like the four of them and even still there was only one hookie um at the time 
And like when I was looking at Baraki, because I really wanted Elec, I thought Elec was really cool. Because mm-hmm. um, that was still around the time when I was like, I need a new green guy. Um, and so I was trying to find him, but I never did. So I ended up, uh, my choices were Carpar and uh, Mantax. And I ended up, <laughs> this is what I did. Because at the time, each Bionicle set had like a, a code on the back of them that you could submit to the Kanoka Club. And so, yeah. <laughs> so what I did was I bought Mantax and then I memorized the code for Karapar in the story. Not knowing that I probably could have just Googled it, but simpler times. Um, but yeah, so I that was actually the only Baraki I got. And I, I think it's... No, because I, I did end up getting Elec eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I might have gotten Karapar as well. But yeah. The, uh, it it was it was more difficult to find them, and even still, I think at the end of it, I don't n- know if the stars were being sold, because I think when my my mom visited the states that summer, and I I begged and pleaded her, and I was like, please, like I know I know you have limited suitcase room, but like, oh yeah, p- please just get me all six of them. I I have the money to pay for it, but like this is the last set that Bionicle is selling might be the last group of them ever. Um, I just want to, I just want to have a full series because mm-hmm. uh, beforehand I, I hadn't. And uh, she was like, okay, all right. Um, and actually she, <laughs> at first she was like, that's a lot to fit in. Can I like just keep the sets and throw away the canisters? And I was like, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> and she pulled a sneaky on me she she said she only brought like three but she actually stuffed the others away for later Aww. which was which was cute um but yeah it was uh it was definitely not the easiest to be a bionicle collector growing up that's for sure yeah especially in south america yeah um I was very lucky growing up to have a a great grandmother Mm. who she's not the richest person, but she, she spoils her grandkid. (laughs) (laughs) I got spoiled, uh, with Bonacle as a kid. Um, I didn't get a whole bunch, but I would get a couple every birthday and Christmas and it was very grateful. And she got me the entire stars line because uh, I knew it was important that this was the last one, and you needed all of six of them to get that golden tahu. And she got me all of them, and I was just happy for that. And then she tops it at Christmas when she buys me the entire first line Aww. of Hero Factory. Aww. Heroes, villains, and vehicles included. Wow. Okay, that's a lot. It, it it was a lot, and it was like, wow, that's not cheap. And so I I, I love that woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get I don't get stuff now because I never ask her for anything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I did ask her, she'd always get it because she loved me. Uh, so yeah, it was it was great. That's so the only sweet. time I could get Bionicle down there was going to that store. Mm-hmm. That store that was a little, little bit of a distance away, and um, cost a little bit of money. Uh, get it from my grandma, mm-hmm. or find it on eBay, which I rarely did at that time because eBay was a bit more expensive than than it is now. Fair, yeah. Especially with yeah. like shipping and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and when I moved to the states, I got I got a lot of Bionicle from going to yard sales, which was. I think that was probably the best time to get Bionicle because that was right when Bionicle just ended. Yeah. And so, I look at yard sales today and I can't find them. Yeah. So right today it's just eBay. Yeah, but for sure. I still love Bionicle. Yeah. And I'm always looking on eBay to find a good price or a good deal on any set. Mm. Which is strange. Bionicle is one toy line that I could just never get rid of. Yeah. I don't think I could ever sell my Bionicles. I versus Yeah. <laughs> Cause versus like now, like I'm wanting to get rid of my uh, Star Wars action figures and my Lego figures, but Bonacle I can't get rid of. Like that's yeah. that's the one that maybe I'll put on the shelf, but every once in a while I'll just forget, not really think about it. But I always come back to Bonacle with a bang, and I just really like it. I don't have that with any other toy line or set. It's just Bonacle that I always come back to. Yeah, I mean. If- for me a lot of like who i developed into uh can kind of come from how i journeyed alongside bionicle because as a kid you kind of just do whatever you know you see as a good response from other people so yeah uh, if if your favorite color is green and other people are like, oh, his favorite color is green, you're stuck with that for a long time. So for me, uh, when I was growing up, I, I loved the color green. I thought it was great. Um, and then 2006 rolled around with, you know, Toa Kongu. And I was like, ah, it's not that great. All the all the Paraka were similar enough. I was like, ah, Zactan's cool too, I guess. I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then the Mari came around, you know, and I looked at Kongu again, and I was like, you know, I really just want to have like a a, a Toa hero that I can look up to and respect and be like, this this one's my favorite. And I looked at Kongu, and just with the way he was built. He he was the only Toa that had no melee weapon. He had two guns. And in my brain at the time, I was like, that's lame. That's that's um, really dumb. In the Nika? No, in the Mari. Yeah, oh yeah. That was the biggest disappointment for me because I really loved Kongu and Nika. Yeah. And when we got to the Mari, it's like, 
this is Kanku? Wow, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, ah, oh, that's such a bummer. Like, I liked his mask and his, his, his coloring and his overall build was okay, too. But I was like, y- you know what? I'm, I'm going to start looking at the other, the other characters um, and, and see which ones I liked. And it was funny because, like, at first I was like, well, maybe I'll look at Nuparu because, you know, I liked him most in, in the Anika series because of his claws. And I looked at him, and he had a shield, and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then um, I was just kind of looking at each of them. I liked Holly, I think, the most, just build-wise, early on. Mm-hmm. But, like, obviously she was a girl, so she couldn't be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just kind of kept on looking at them, and I I was like, I'm kind of at a loss. They're all just kind of samey. And then... Um, at one point I was looking through and I saw Matoro and I was like, you know, normally I don't go for the ice ones because they're asymmetry. Um, but his mask isn't like not fully. It, it still had the little like Mari, like tube connection on it. But otherwise it was pretty much symmetrical. I was like, huh, he's pretty cool. Like I, I really liked the mask. And then I saw the, the little Mari movie that the Lego put out and I was like, Oh yeah, Matoro is definitely my favorite cuz in that in that one he's he's the one that's like not the most prominent. Like Holly is very prominent. Jaller's very prominent. But like Matoro's the one that's kind of in the background that's like, yeah, I'll chase down that uh random sea monster when the others get knocked off a cliff. Yeah, I'll yeet my like platform like flying vehicle thing into its mouth and fight it off and then at the very end you see him like flying overhead as Jolly's calling out for him and he's he's on one of the things that he chased away earlier one of the the creatures and like his his line his only line in that entire thing is i'll take it from here like coyly but like also in a really cool way and i was like you know he's my favorite bar none I, I like him a lot. And so yeah. I was really inspired. And um, around that time, I was kind of like, you know, what what really is my favorite element? Was I just basing it off of color earlier? Was I, I don't know. And then I, I just kind of started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I, I really, maybe I just need to rethink about it. And I thought for a little while, and I was like, you know what? I really like ice, even even if it's just because of Matoro. I I have a an actual good connection to this as an elemental power based off of this story. Um, and then that's around the time that I actually got into the comics. Oh, oh yeah. And that's the worst time to be a Matoro <laughs> fan, um, <clears throat> because you know a few a few chapters in he he sacrifices himself for the entire universe and i remember like i was reading that um in 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 the online comic form because i couldn't get the real comic and i was reading through it and i was just like first off i was in awe because you know the the time leading up to that matoro really steps up um he's he kind of becomes the leader of the Toa Mari for a little while uh, and the Toa Naika for a little while. 
and previously all of the all the toa fire are the leaders so i was like oh okay that's that's really cool and really different and then like he's the one that has the mask of life he's the one that's like it's his mission to to get it to the core i was like ah this this is awesome i'm following this and then you know in in his last moments he feels no fear and he puts on this mask and it kills him and i'm like no and i was in tears like oh yeah real literal tears and i actually just in the past few days read the the actual novelization of that and i was in tears again because oh. like you really relate to this character he's at, at the time i just liked him because of his cool mask and how how he did the things he did in the in the in the mari movie but um his whole story arc of being just this translator for for one of the for one of the Turaga to joining this this Matoran group that feels like they need to act um and then becoming a Toa and then leading a Toa as one of the few Toa of Ice to ever do that to being one of two characters in the entire in the entirety of the bionicle story that the mask of life deems worthy um to be its wearer and then sacrificing himself to save the universe like all of that even like my whole like channel name everything is based around like just how cool matoro was as a character and how much i was inspired by him and uh it, just just really cool um character arc if anybody listening uh has a chance to i definitely recommend uh ignition one through eight although you can skip a few of those um but eight is eight is the one where Matoro dies and just reading his story is cool because i think it's one of the most important stories in bionicle because especially in the first book that he's introduced there's not much said about him there's not much that is really described about him but the general consensus of that story is the leaders of the time aren't telling the villagers what's going wrong the the toa are missing and the decision that is made for two different sets of Matoran are that you don't have to be a Toa to be a hero. And I think that's one of the most powerful lessons I could have learned from Bionicle is that you don't have to be in this place of authority. It doesn't have to be your job. Um, but you can always, you can always step up and become that hero. Um, someone who's willing to sacrifice maybe not their life per se but time and energy to to help others um so i i think that's one of the most important things to me about bionicle was just how inspired by it i became yeah yeah 
And Matoro's death was just a very shock to have happen. Because beforehand, death wasn't really something that you'd really seen in Bionicle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was somewhat of a sacrifice with Takanuva, but yeah. he didn't really die. He came back um, very quickly after that segment, so there wasn't really much of a worry there. But Matoro was kind of, as a kid, very gut-wrenching because he doesn't come back. Yeah. And, like, he was one of the fun characters that you like to read, and he he sacrificed himself, and it's like, oh, no, he doesn't come back. We have Toa in Ignaika that, you know, I used to think was like, what ha- is this, like... A semi Matoro? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's going on with him? But no, he was just a mask of life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I want Matoro back. Yeah. And it, um, it, it's so crazy because, like, they could have easily gone several different routes to bring Matoro back, right? The mask of life could have brought him back, or um, he was, for Pete's sake, wearing the Kanohi mask of res- uh, reanimation they could have done something with that or a, a bunch of different things. But at the end of it, they, they chose to keep that sacrifice in. And that was so like crazy. First off ground shaking to me, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but like so crazy important because it actually showed the importance of his sacrifice because everything passed his point of sacrifice wouldn't have happened hadn't he done it. And there's a whole, like, you know, there's a whole alternate universe where he, he doesn't do that sacrifice. Um, and the world kind of falls apart and he's actually labeled, uh, kind of a failure essentially. But he, uh, in the main story he does. And it's, I don't know. It's cool. You don't see, Death is not something that's, like, super well-explored with a lot of, like, children's media. Um, No. But this is one time where they did it well, where the person chooses to sacrifice themselves to save their friends. And while death is, like, talked about all throughout Bionicle, like, Sidorak is killed. Almost on screen. But it's more of, like... When, when you see a bad guy get killed or defeated in in a, in a kid's show, you don't think of it as they're dead. You see them and you notice that they're defeated. But Matoro's death was a real, more real feeling because you weren't expecting a good guy to die. Yeah, more real than Lacan. Yeah. Yeah, Lacan did die too. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and actually, he's he's brought back later because of the stupid red star. So it's doesn't matter. Oh, is that the case? Yes, everybody everybody that dies except Matoro basically gets resurrected by the red star, making their sacrifices pointless. And... <laughs> Man, I got a lot of reading to do. <laughs> the red star also isn't really explained too well because mm. like. I think there are some story serials, but I don't think there are that many. Because I'm pretty sure Traga Lacan gets revived in the Red Star, along with 
a bunch of other Toa. Um, not all of them, but a bunch of them. I think I think the old version of Hydraxon's up there too. It's just Red Star is weird, man. It's very weird. Okay. But yeah. Very strange. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's let's talk about some other Bionicle media, like the games, for instance. Did you ever get into the games as a kid? That surprisingly no. Um, some of the online games, yeah. Like I played when I found out about Biomedia Project, I I did play through Matanui online game, and I played through how oh, there was like a Metronui like Maze of Shadows. Maybe I don't know. It was it was the one where you had the disc launcher, like Vakama's disc launcher, and you had to fight off the Morbizak, and uh. Was it the Morbizak or was the Karzani plant? I don't remember. Anyways, um, you had to fight it off. And I remember, like, I was, I started playing and then, like, I was like, I can do better. And so I kept on grinding at it. That was probably one of the first games that I, like, grinded at just to try and be good. Um, and if I looked back, I probably wasn't even that good. The controls were really bad, too. But, um,. Besides that, like I, I did end up buying um, Bionicle Heroes. Uh, I haven't played it much though. No, it's it's fun, but I, I had it as a kid, mm-hmm. and I still have it. But I I never played it much because I wasn't very good at it. And if I and for me as a kid, I just. When it comes to playing video games, I don't like dying in video games, because I just I just like it to be perfection, mm. um, in in terms of story wise. And so whenever I played in Bionicle Heroes, like I would die, like I, I don't think I got past the first or second level, <laughs> and like that wasn't even that wasn't very fun as a kid when you couldn't get past the first or second level, and it's like ah, what's the point? Yeah. And so. Um, I never really got past that. There was a Bionicle the Game that I saw in a magazine, which I thought was really cool, but I never, I never got it. Mm. And you... then I, I never, I actually never played Minog ever before, which um should probably do at some point. I, I've seen the animations, mm-hmm. but I never actually played the game. That's one of those games that's like, it's not, you know, it's not like the most expertly created game in the world, but it's, it's charming and it's great for its time. Like it had some good music to it. It had a really nice sense of like exploration for this, this island that we never really got again. Voyanui had its own game and Metronui had its own game, but like Matanui online game was really cool with what you got to see in the exploration yeah Um, if i'm honest any other bionicle game they were okay but i i eh. know they tried to make a glatorian oh uh, yeah i forgot about that the glatorian arena game which i really wanted to play because it was it was a cool idea but the problem was that 
it was a flash. It required flash or something. And in my computer, it was really slow. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't really play. Like, it was like two, three frames a second. And yeah. at that time, it was a high-quality computer game. Yeah, I um, I remember, like, going through, like, a few hours just to download it. And then playing it was really, really rough. But I really, really tried to get good at that one. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't really do anything with it. It just was too slow and was not responsive. It's a shame because the idea behind it was just so cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it actually was, and like the Glatorian get a lot of like flack because they're a very different feel. the The whole Glatorian era of Bionicle isn't two thousand nine, man. Oof. Yeah, interesting. It, it was not. Um, it was how do i explain it it wasn't really based was, on like the maori culture it didn't really feel like bionicle in some ways and it didn't have any of the same characters for a long time except for matanui it was very different um kind, kind of like a almost an ancient egyptian feel to a lot of it yeah um but that being said set designs were great color choices yeah. were great thornax launcher is one of my favorite launchers yeah, and Gresh, they, I think, is one of my favorite sets. I agree. He's just so cool. The first off, Gresh's weapons are probably my favorite weapons of any character. Oh yeah, Bionicle. they are. They are. They're just great. Um, the one thing I found out recently, so Gresh, uh, I don't know if you know this. It blew my mind when I found out. Gresh is actually the the lead writer's like self insert character. His name is Gresh because it's short for Greg Farshti. What? Yeah. It's so odd. <laughs> but that explains why like the, the character is like made to be a cool character. <laughs> Cause the writer's like, you know what? Screw it. I wanna I wanna <laughs> be in this story too. So uh yeah, Gresh is Gresh is a great character. All of the builds were yeah. really cool, and the pieces that we got out of it, all of like the ice pieces are amazing. Um, yes, Akar's fire sword is great. Like, oh yeah, just amazing pieces. That was such a good year, um, and so for the Glatorian Arena, they did a good job for making a game. I remember towards the end, it got super difficult. I never beat it. I might actually download it right now just because <laughs> I want to beat it, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was one of the few ones. I'm actually looking back through all of them right now, and I did play a few of them. Um, I didn't play a lot of the early ones, but I did play Stop the Morbazak, which was from 2004. Um, I tried to do one of the games in 2005, and it just never worked on my computer. Um, and then there was like a Bionicle Mari game where you got to play different mini games based off of which Toa Mari you chose. And those were all fun. And, oh, yeah, in 2008, the Battle for Power, I remember doing that. I don't remember it being good, but I remember doing what, it. What was that one like? I don't I don't even remember. I'm just remembering this picture that's on um, the Biomedia Project. Mm. And it, 
it looks really familiar, but I just don't remember it being good. I remember a lot of frustration looking at this screen. I, I want to say it was almost like a rock, paper, scissors style game. But I could be wrong. Let's see, web games. They had quite a few. Adventure. Let's see. <clears throat> yeah. Of course, there was always the the good old battle of the battle for power. Um. Yeah, it was battle for power. I, huh? It's oddly familiar. Yeah. I don't know why. It, it's, but it's familiar. Very odd. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. But the main one that I remembered was Glatorian Arena. Mm. <laughs> that one was a good um, one. It was. It was a good one. Uh. So, what is? I don't. I don't know. I might. This might be some for a later time. But who's your favorite character? I mean, pretty obviously Matoro. <laughs> yeah based off my rant earlier but um besides Matoro besides Matoro that gets more difficult because there's some really cool characters from each each part of the series and I like different characters for different reasons yeah um I oof, I really like Krika because he's one of the few Makuta that's like, eh, I don't know about this whole taking over the world thing. I don't really feel like killing people. I just don't want to lose my job. So I'll go along with it until I cannot go along with it. Um, and I think he's one of the more interesting characters. There's also Lezevic, yeah. which is an awesome character in my opinion. Um... I like Pohachu a lot. Just a, a chill down to earth guy. Um, and then like, as far as villains go, obviously Makuta in and of himself is a great villain. Uh, but there's also like anti-heroes, I guess, like Vizon is just fun. Uh, for looking at dark hunters, there's Lariska. If we're looking at Order of Madden Nui, there's Helrix, our good old Bendy girl. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of good characters. I'd say my second favorite, besides Matoro, would probably have to be Lezevic, though. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that a somewhat controversial statement? Uh, it might be. Um, but if it is, people, other people are just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I like him a lot. His his build in general is really cool. Again, he's he's green, so like I I'm always going to be at least a little partial. But um first off, he's green. Secondly, he wears the fax on, which is also just another beautiful mask. And then his his story arc is that he's one of the older Toas in the universe. And his entire team died. And so he's trying to seek out a, a little bit of vengeance 
um, and also trying to kill Karzani. It's it's a whole thing, but uh, yeah, he was introduced later on in the series, which was kind of a bummer. Uh, I think if because the whole writing team had to basically write based off of okay, the marketing team just sent us what the new like series of Toa or villains look like. Now I have to figure out a story for all of these. Okay, who's this character? Who's this character? So Lezovic has a story. It was just kind of hashed in there last second. But personally, I like the idea of a Toa just kind of like being this old skeptical Toa that's like really sad because all of his friends are dead. That's a bad way of putting it. But I like him a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. There's also oh, I want to say his name is Zarya. Zarya is one of my favorites too. I could totally be wrong. Ah, uh, Zarya Bionicle. Yeah, I'm right. Okay, so Zarya is a Toa of Iron, and uh, he he's in the only story he's in that I know of is um, I think either yesterday quest or riddle of the great beings i think yesterday quest and he is i think the only toe of iron because everybody else in the iron tribe got killed everybody just hates the iron tribes yeah just, it, it's really sad but yeah everybody in the iron matoran group got killed he became a toa and without knowing how the makuta evolved or how to use his powers, he accidentally killed the Makuta as soon as he turned into a Toa. And he, a lot of his arc is about him trying to learn how to control his powers um, and the responsibility of, I'm a Toa, I shouldn't be killing people, but I also have the power to prevent people from, like, even moving, which, by the way, they didn't do any power balancing for him. <laughs> like, he... <laughs> There's a point where, like, I think Tahu and some other, maybe it was Orde, were like, we need to do this. And they were arguing. And he's just like, okay, both of you just sit down. Forces them to sit and, like, focus. It's, he's great. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Even though he's literally only in one story, the prospect of him is really cool. Yeah. What about, I guess for me. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I I have to differentiate things because a lot of times when I look at my favorites, I don't think they're my favorite because of their character. It's mm -hmm. just because I like their design. So, uh, and I want to do design wise in another podcast. So, in terms of character, mm -hmm. as a kid, I really I really liked Tahu. Uh, mainly just from the movie. Um, I don't know why. I just thought he was cool. Okay. He was brash. He was red. He he serves in lava. I mean, how is that not cool? That <laughs> um, Yeah. Can't argue that. <laughs> and then my second favorite, uh, growing up there as a kid, became Matau. Because he was funny to me. I just... I thought it was really funny to watch. He's also really fun to watch. He was green. 
which growing up as a kid, I really liked the green ones as well. Um, which I got to meet the actor from Mattel, um, which was oh, great. Awesome. I loved it. Yeah, and like he he remembered doing Mattel, and he's like, oh. I'm happy that you still like that after years later. And so <laughs> that was that was fun. That's but awesome. If I'm looking more into character, I might I might also say Hydraxon. Hmm. Reading okay. the comics, like he was he was cool. I loved him in the trailer. Because he was just so menacing and posing. It's like, I believe that mask belongs to me. Yeah. Um, it, it was so cool. I, I just bought him recently. I'm looking over at him right now. He's a good oh, build, yes. too. Yeah. He's really he's really cool. Um, but, like, get this comics. Wasn't it that Hydraxon was actually Deckard? Yeah. 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 And so that was interesting. There was a lot more personality to Hydraxon due to the comics. Um, for me witnessing him and I thought you know that's a cool that's a cool story uh, that they did there mm-hmm. uh, then of course Matoro which you know Matoro had the sacrifice yep yes rest in peace Matoro and lastly probably Akar okay yeah Akar because you know he's the old guy he's the gruff guy that's like past his prime I just I just like that old fighter character that's yeah. like ah that he he's still and going even though he's like everybody's like nah dude you're old and he's like nah I'll fight you I still yeah. got it in me Jim Cummings man uh, yeah I mean there's probably more I just oh Kopaka he's he's a recent one. Uh, just from reading the uh, the novels recently, I just really like Kopaka. Yeah, that's fair. I like Kopaka yeah. as well. He's kind of like, he's a jerk, but like I can't hate him. Like all of all of the Toa Mata, I I kind of have this little like bit of disdain for, because they do a a couple things that are kind of well really rude <laughs> in the Ignition series. Uh, at least early on. Uh, but th- I like Kopaka a lot because, like, he'll just give it to you straight. He's like, no, I don't like you. Um, <laughs> take that. At one point, too, Kopaka has, like, one of the best, like, scenes in the first book of Ignition. I think it's the first. Maybe it's the second. Yeah, it's the second book. Where, like, a few of the Matoran don't trust the Toa because, like, the Paraka disguise themselves as Toa. And so a few of the Matoran are like, how do we know that you're, you're real Toa? You don't even have your masks because they got stolen. Um, and, like, they're, they're trying to fight these Toa. And at one point, Tahu puts up this flame barrier. And um, the, the Matoran are like, you do this, you do this, I'll blast them. And Kopak is like, screw it, I'm done with this. And he walks through Tahu's flame barrier like it's nothing. And Tahu's like, um, uh, and he walks past towards them, like about to freeze them to death. And Onua's like, okay, wait, 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 stop, stop. Kopaka, stop. Just chill. <laughs> chill? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's such like, ah, uh, Kopaka's great. 
but like at the same time he's also like a really like he's a nice guy under all that under all that ice Mm -hmm. he just like you know doesn't get along with tahu and gets tired of people that are that are stupid yeah Do do you have like something that you remember greatly about growing up in the Bonaco community? Like any fan content that you just love looking at all the time and you just still love it today? Yeah, there's there's one guy early on. Um I, I first got introduced to the Bionicle community through like Legomation Studio. Oh yeah. Um Legomation. And a few people that reviewed them. Um and but th- there's one guy i think his name is watati uh, mm. oh watati yeah. yeah his i know that guy his stop motions were some of the best stop motions i have ever seen and like even even today yeah they're great they're just fantastic and mind you are they lore accurate not at all but um i think i think the one that i keep thinking of is yeah, I think it's Fighters 2 and Nika versus Paraka. And so it's it's Matoro mm. and Kongu fighting against uh two Paraka, Zaktan and Vizok? No, Radak. Mm. And like the music choices that he had for these were fantastic. The yes. fighting was fantastic. Mind you, mm-hmm. this is all stop motion, so I'm sure it took hours if not days to to create and like he was clever about how he did everything um uh, just amazing so like that was that was the thing that i could watch daily for months on end and never get tired oh yeah of. yeah so good yeah he he definitely was one of the early ones uh 2007 was a great year for stop motion bionicle mm. Because uh, he had, he, there was Watati, and then Spidey four or six who did, uh, Bionicle Wars, which became, which had one called the Duel of the Fates, where we had Huki versus Matoro. Oh, um, I think I did see that. Yeah, like those were the two, who had great choreography, and I've not seen any other one, any other stop motion that has the same quality of choreography since then yeah it's surprising how well they hold up like years later they're still very well done um for me youtube bionicle was something that i got into a lot during those days there was the fantoka series from shadowed one one um that was interesting uh really interesting He's weird. Yeah. And then, something that we both know, the Chronicles of Jaller. Oh. Yeah. That was, so, like, you know, I, I started watching that. I guess that probably came out around 2008, or now, 2007, 2008-ish, because yeah. um, I remember clicking on one of them, because I was like, oh, it's got Elec in the in the thumbnail. I'm going to click on it. And I did. And I was like, what is this? This is so weird. <laughs> and I, like, watched one, and then I watched another, and I was like, this is bizarre. And then I just, like, binged them. 
<laughs> and uh, this this was before I had a YouTube account because I was too young at the yeah. time. And so I remember at one point, um, one of like my sister's friends was over and they logged into YouTube and forgot to log out. So I was like, you know what? This person deserves it. I'm going to subscribe to their channel <laughs> with this other person's account. They never found out, but like it still makes me hope that they still get updates from <laughs> whichever Jowler <laughs> channel I subscribe to. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I recently just uh, marathoned or binged that all those old videos and they're still funny um it's somewhat cringy because the guy was really young then yeah but he does grow into his voice and for the most part it's consistent last year this past christmas they came back yep with a new set and they were golden they were fantastic and it's very surprising how great they were years later yeah um really fun i i was really impressed because so they they had created i i think yeah two two previous movies quote unquote which were essentially just longer versions of their skits with like yeah weird random lore that they decided to put in for different jokes and they really stuck to that lore by the way (laughs) like every time you thought oh okay this is just a throwaway joke it ended up coming back like three scenes later so good um, but for Jaller 3, which was the their most recent series, which was their kind of comeback, it was um, it was very similar to that and very similar to their normal shows. Um, and it still continued some of that lore, but it wasn't like you necessarily needed to know it because none of no. the show made sense anyways. Um, but yeah, just overall, like those guys are great i think both of them are are studying to be film majors or at least seven mr seven random seven is and um so like you can really see especially in the newer episodes just how much work and how how much better they are now um just rather big parts of my childhood i still can't look at at jowler's mask the the calyx um the same way because i no. i think of a you know uh non i'm just gonna say it, a, a very stupid character that uh gets himself into a lot of troubles but also is sometimes all powerful depending on the situation <laughs> yeah yeah oh man but you know it's they, they were great yeah there were things that we loved as kids growing up and um to see that thing return was just like oh wow it really just felt like a piece of childhood and nostalgia just really being strong because it was it was pure and it was actually good as compared yeah. to other things um yeah and then lastly again lego mation studios one of the big ones that i saw earlier on that that's how I learned about the new designs for like Glatorian and mm-hmm. uh, the stars and whatnot. And you know he was fun. Granted, he wasn't very accurate, but he was fun. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I think the, fun. the first time I watched him was when he was reviewing the trailer to the Bionicle Legends Reborn. And I remember watching him and he was like super negative the whole time. Oh, and man. I was like, yeah. why are you being so negative? This is the first Bionicle movie we've had in years. Obviously, it's going to be good because at the time I didn't know the, how to critique things at all. And uh, I was like, I'm never going to watch this guy again. And then like <laughs> another video of him popped into my feed. Um, and it was I didn't even realize they were the same person until months later. And I was like, no way. This guy is actually a Bionicle fan. He wasn't just hating on it. He was just trying to make it funny and i guess in in my mind it didn't come across that way um so it was uh i i followed him for quite a while after that i liked one one thing that he did that most other channels didn't do is they had a like breakdown of the pieces and then there was like a, a yeah version of him building it mm-hmm. i really like those that. were fun yeah it was fun yeah my my oh my channel name is not based off of his. It's just it's coincidental. It it was it was done for reasons at the time. Um, and then of course uh, TTV podcast the Three Virtues. Yep. Which I I had a lot of fun with that early on. It was the only podcast I really listened to uh, way back when. Yeah, and it, it was really um, special when they did the LJ recap reviews that came out every Tuesday, and I remember being very excited every Tuesday when that thing came out. Yeah, and they had they're on eBay today, which was fun. The that whole group, so some of them were in the the Bring Back Bionicle group that I was in. Yes, and the, they were. Early on, there was a little bit of drama between one of the members of the group and one and some of the people in TTV. So I actually met them through, uh, I, I met some of them because I feel terrible for this, but I essentially tricked that person that was in the Bionicle group because I knew him, uh, not in real life, but we had talked a bit. And so I, I, I got him into a call and then I snuck the TTV group into it and we all just kind of talked about what happened because he was being kind of toxic online and mm. uh we talked about it and anyways long story short we we i ended up meeting them they're really cool guys um kahi who isn't a member anymore um was the, the person who who mainly led that but i i met i think in that i met meso kahi uh, i don't think lj was in there i think i would have remembered him maybe vardaran anyways I met them through that, and then later on they did like a a game night where they they played Dota with fans, and that's actually what got me into Dota and later Smite. Um, so yeah, the the guys that I played with, I think Takuma was also one of them. Um, I still have a few of them as like friends on Steam, even though I don't play really any games with them. But uh, it was still cool to yeah i still have takuma on my friends list it it was really cool to meet them they're really nice guys yeah now that i'm thinking about it i think i found ttv um by looking at hero factory reviews but i think (laughs) i subscribed to them for briconical 
way back when, when they were first doing that. Because that was when I first got into Minecraft. Sorry, is it Briconicle? Uh, no. Minecraft? Briconicle was the thing after the their supposed Gen 3. Um, I think you're thinking oh. of Biocraft. Biocraft, Biocraft that, that's it, right there. That That's it, Biocraft. Yeah. I subscribed because of Biocraft, which was really cool. And they finally came back and redid it. Yeah. Which was exciting. That honestly um, is a spectacular, like it, for any Bionicle fans that haven't seen it, um, that is one of the best like fan uh, videos. Because it incorporates a lot of Minecraft things and it incorporates a lot of Bionicle things. And there's a lot of inside jokes in there. There's a lot of things that happen that are just kind of funny. Um, the soundtrack is actually like, not even as a joke, it's, it's actually good. They did a great job with that. It's just a really great. Um, yeah. It's a great piece of fan um, work, and uh, I know they they were really like. That was the thing that got them big was them doing like a Bionicle Minecraft thing. Um, yeah, definitely. But in the end, I was really impressed with what they did, and uh, proud of them even though they really tugged at our heartstrings when they were like, yeah, I'm going to, we're going to release it. And their announcement for that was April 1st. I was like, Hmm, <laughs> it was rude, but they did. Yeah. Especially okay. in past years where they're like, we're going to do uh biocraft. Sorry. It's canceled. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was for the days. Those were fun. Yeah, TTV yeah. also did have their Brickonicle thing, which was their exploration of, it was just kind of like an idea of, hey, we're going to pretend like we're Lego executives uh, or Lego workers and um, how we would go about making a Gen 3 with just the regular like brick sets. Um, and I know a ton of people in the Bionicle community really like clowned on them and stuff, but what they did was first off a piece of fan work and there was no reason to really critique it that harshly, but it was still really cool. A lot of the art that was done for it was, was nifty. Um, I think in my opinion, the most contended thing was that they decided to make Liwa a girl, um, mm -hmm. which in, yeah. in my opinion, isn't a bad thing except for the fact that Liwa translates in Maori, literally to man, <laughs> which is kind of just unfortunate. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I know that they said in later podcasts that it was probably a good suggestion would be just to have a brand new set of characters than just remaking the old ones. Yeah. Um, which would be, which I, I think is probably something that Bionicle could need. It's just have a new set of characters instead of just remaking the old ones because that that was probably one thing that maybe was bad for Gen Two because we had we, we already had a mental p image of what these characters were like and they weren't the same when we had the Gen Two so yeah we already had expectations for how they were if, if they were completely new characters I agree it, it would have been a completely different feel. Um, but I, I can understand why they went with the original, because they're iconic. Yeah. 
and they would definitely, for sure, be one of the better selling ones to start out with. So, yeah. Yeah, very true. Uh, do you have anything else that we want to talk about today for today's Bionicle podcast? Uh, one thing I will just plug real quick. It's not really a plug. Uh, recently I decided to go through all of the Bionicle masks and just kind of like essentially list them with all their powers and limitations and, um, ranked them. And one thing that I did notice is that just, just how much like love really went into Bionicle there, there are, let me scroll down real quick. 69, funny, uh, 68, um, unique mask powers listed in Bionicle. Um, which is a lot, especially when you have to realize only three of them that I can think of are elemental. Uh, four if you count the Mask of Time, five if you count the Mask of Life, but those are not really elements. Um, everything else is a non-elemental power, and they really, like, they made them seem cool. Now, I will admit, the balancing is not great. You, like one person will have like the ability to raise anything from the dead to have it fight anything for you and another person will be able to breathe underwater like the Kanohi Kao Kao yeah. is w- easily one of the worst masks in Bionicle like lore just the default one the Nuva one is okay but the uh, the Kao Kao the water breathing it has it's not infinite and like yeah, it's just not great. But anyways, um, beyond that, there's a lot of different masks, and there's a lot of, like, there's just a lot of story behind the masks. There's a lot of shapes to the masks. Even if not all the masks that are mentioned were actually released as sets, there's still a lot of them. Um, all that to say, we were really, like, fortunate uh to have such a cool series even though it it was definitely probably overly complicated it (laughs) it was still such a great series and it's something that i i will remember for the rest of my life and uh i'm always hopeful for you know a reboot uh sorry a good reboot um but it's one of those things that at the end of the day, if we never do get another reboot, um, I will still look back to this story and just remember it fondly for for just how yeah. cool it is and all it's done. I I feel slightly sad that the next generation, our next generation of kids, are not going to have the same experience with Bionicle as we did. Yeah. Because y- you can't buy them in stores. Mm-hmm. And because they're becoming more durable, you can't really... It's not the best thing to allow them to just play with them all the time. So, right. The the one saving grace is that a lot of um, 
a lot of people online are have been either finding or creating 3D models of Bionicles. Um, so mm-hmm. like there, there's the Studio um, parts that you can get, and I believe a lot of people have been pretty successful in 3D printing. 3D printing technology still has ways to go to get to like Lego quality, but um, if nothing else, there's a, at least a little bit of a revival in Bionicle just in um, how all that works. Yeah. Um, and in reality, one of the best things about Bionicle is the community. Like the fact that we're having a canon contest for how Helrix looks, you know, at least 10 to 13 years after she was even brought up in, in story is, is just awesome to me. Yeah. Even though we got a noodle out of it. Yeah. We got a noodle. The, 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 the idea behind it was still good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the mask power, <laughs> you're saying that the how was your least favorite in terms of power wise. Correct the cow cow yeah uh yeah it's it's one of my least favorite there's there's also like the mask of clairvoyance is also bad and the mask of undeath is just like why but otherwise yeah for me i think the one mask that i didn't really like was wenua's mask it was pretty much just a flat it was just yeah it was pretty much a flashlight so almost I, I did I did a lot of research on it because I was like surely surely they didn't just give him a, a face mounted flashlight like that can't be it right <laughs> so yeah. so technically he has how night vision works is he can see in the dark as long as he chooses to and then if he wants he can make his his mask glow so that other people can see in the dark aka a light okay. and then if he also has the light on he can use it to have limited ability to see through objects okay so at least there's that um it's again it's not the best of masks but it is uh (laughs) i think on my ranking it's at least let me see yeah it's it's (coughs) it's like ninth from the bottom there's a few yeah. that are better, and mind you, I I, I told a, a few people this in the in the Bionicle group I'm in because I wanted them to look at it and see what they thought. It's not that any mask is necessarily bad; it's just that there are other masks that can either do that thing better, or can be used in more situations. So like, night vision is cool, but when you have like sonar, you don't need night vision as much or right like stealth is great but if you have invisibility that might be better or levitation's okay but if you have the power to fly that's in my <laughs> opinion better flying toa of earth yeah good times good times good times <laughs> good times yeah right any other last words you would like to say? Nah, that's it. Oh wait, uh, last words. Bring back Bionicle. That that's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's my Minecraft username. Bring back <laughs> Bionicle with Lego JPL. 
Um, yeah, that was back when we still wanted to bring back Bionicle. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really care too much. Um, because <laughs> after Gen 2. Yeah, um, so yeah. yeah. Shameless plug. Uh, follow us on Anchor. You know, support us there. One dollar makes all the difference. Uh, besides that, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.